Allah told you to do. Not just hear only what Allah told you, but see an example. See something that is there for you to, to follow, right? And for you to understand. It's different when you see an example, right? Like for example, if I sit here and tell you how to pray, that's one thing. Okay? And if I stand here and show you how to pray, that's another thing which is even easier for you to understand. So it really helps you to understand Islam. And it helps you to understand the message of Islam because you get to see it in real life as a real life example. And you get to see it, see the story happening. Another really big benefit of the seerah is that it causes you to love the Prophet And it causes you to really appreciate and to be grateful for what Allah blessed us with through the Prophet and to become really appreciative, you know, really appreciate and be, and be grateful for what the Prophet all that he did to convey Allah's religion and, and pass on Allah's religion. If we could just ask you guys just to go a little bit a little bit back for me, just a little bit, just to make the space, just to keep the space between you. That's excellent. That's perfect. So we're going to talk about the time before he became a prophet. So let me start with a simple question then. This is an easy question. Was the Prophet Muhammad born a prophet? No. So he became a prophet during his life. That means there was a time before when he wasn't a prophet, right? He became a prophet. And when did he become a prophet? Which ayah of the Qur'an did he become a prophet? No, we want that ayah. The age I'll come to. The age is good, mashallah, jazakallah khair. Age 40, that's correct. But I want the ayah. اِقْرَأْ بِسْمِ رَبِّكَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ عَلَقَ اِقْرَأْ وَرَبُّكَ الْأَكْرَمْ الَّذِي عَلَّمَ بِالْقَلَمْ عَلَّمَ الْإِنسَانَ مَا لَمْ يَعْلَمْ The first five ayat of Surah Al-Alaq, Surah Iqra' The Prophet وسلم, changed from being Muhammad ibn Abdullah, Muhammad son of Abdullah, into becoming Nabiullah, the Prophet of Allah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Excellent. So we're going to talk about the time before that. Next time we're going to talk about when he became a Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and his time in Mecca. And then in the last lesson, we're going to talk about his time in Medina. Until he died. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, we're going to start by looking at what was life like before Islam. Now, all of you, I think all of you here, all of you were born Muslim, right? Every one of you is born, born Muslim. Mom and dad, and you, you were born as Muslims. Everyone or almost everyone here was born as a Muslim. But you can imagine that there was a time before Islam. Now, I thought we said all the prophets were Muslim, so how was there a time before Islam? I thought we said Adam was Muslim, so how was there a time before Islam? 
I'm confused. Somebody explain. about and specifically we're going to look today at Makkah although this is true for many of the cities in the same area but we're just going to today look at Makkah let's just talk as for a second let's just go back where did I mean Makkah is called Ummul Qura the mother of all the towns who knows anything a little bit about the history of Makkah before, way before, you know, right back in the day? Like, where, who sto where does the story of Makkah come to us in the Quran before the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Yes, Habib. <coughs> and he left Ismail 
in a valley that didn't have any trees at all. And if it didn't have any trees, it means it didn't have any. What do trees need? Water. It didn't have any water. And he left his family there because that was the place of the Kaaba. That was the first place that was dedicated to worshipping Allah alone. And it said that the angels first marked its place. And it said that Adam first marked its place. But the one who built it up into the Kaaba as we know today was Ibrahim and when Ibrahim and Ismail raised up the house. So that place was marked as a place to worship Allah. It was the first place. In the awwal abayti, wudhi the first ever place to be dedicated to worshipping Allah was what? Was the house in Mecca, the place in Mecca, which is now the Kaaba. That was the first place to ever in the whole world to be made just for worshipping Allah. The first masjid. And definitely Adam has a part of that story, but the main part of the story that we hear is with Ibrahim when it became built the way that it is built today, or similar, not quite the way that it's built today, because a little different shape, but where it's built today. So Makkah became the crossroads. Right now, I'm really testing your geography. The crossroads between where, I wish I could ask the guys on YouTube, but subhanAllah, the problem is with the kids' class, we're not allowed to ask questions that will get comments so we have to rely on the on the kids in the class after Allah so what do you think it's the crossroads between where what what is what are some of the countries that are around that people might be traveling from and to what what countries are in the north if I go past Mecca and past Medina and I just keep going more and more north where do I end up Mm, there's a big test of geography. What do you think? North America or North Pole? No, no, okay, that's too, not, not that far north. Just, a, what's the, I just keep going. I mean, I'm here, I'm in Mecca, and I'm just driving in my car. And I go to Medina, and I keep going, and I get to Tabuk, and I keep going, and I keep going. Where do I end up? Africa? No, no, Africa is on the west, in the west. Africa is in the west. Egypt is to the west. Uh, also, you have further down Al Habasha, which is Abyssinia now, like the area of sort of the uh, the area of what is now like Ethiopia and uh, places nearby Eritrea, places like that. Very good, amazing. If you keep going north, you will reach Jordan, Syria. This, you'll reach the area which we call Sham. Asham. Sham is the area which is, we, the proper word for it in English is the Levant. But it basically means where? Jordan, Syria, and so on. Those type of, those type of places. That's the area you're going to reach in the north. 
And if you go south, there's only one country you can reach if you go south. May Allah <laughs> help you with geography. Someone said correctly, but I think from the adults. I don't want the adults to answer the question. I want the kids. If I go south, Yemen. If I go south, I'm going to get to Yemen. So this Mecca lies at a crossroads between Yemen in the south and between Sham, which is Jordan and Syria, those countries in the north. And no doubt, if you go to the east, you have definitely northeast, you have Iraq, you have uh, even what they call Faris, like the, which is now Persia, Iran, and so on. And if you go west, you have Africa, and particularly we're looking at Al-Habasha, which is really, Al-Habasha is called Abyssinia, but really what it is today is, is sort of Ethiopia and Eritrea, those kind of countries. And also you have Egypt as well, which is in the, the northwest in that sense. So you have, this is the kind of countries around. But particularly Sham and Yemen is very important. Because Quraysh, the people living in Mecca, they used to go between those two countries. And they used to bring their, you know, products. Because Mecca, nothing grows in Mecca, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a valley that doesn't have any plants in it. Nothing grows in Mecca at all. Nothing at all grows in Mecca. There's some trees now with a lot of extra water and a lot of extra, you know, gardening effort, but it doesn't really naturally grow. So they used to bring, not even dates, dates you would bring. Go on. There's a lot of answers, but I only want one. If I go just a little bit off the road. Yeah. No, no. The only place you can ever buy really good dates in Saudi Arabia today. Medina. Medina. So they would go to Medina, they would go to Sham. Sham is a very fertile land, and Yemen is also a very fertile land. So you have a lot of things growing, right? You have a lot of like vegetation, you have a lot of vegetables, you have a lot of fruits and things. So they would go and they would bring these things to Makkah, and Makkah would become what? What would Makkah become famous for then? If nothing grows there, but what does happen there? I'm not talking about Islamically, I'm just talking about so you understand what the place was like. Nothing grows there, but it's right bang in the middle between Yemen and Syria, and Yemen has a lot of produce, and Syria has a lot of produce, and Medina has dates, so what's going to happen in Makkah? What's going to happen is trade. It's going to become a trade center where people swap things. People from the, the Levant, Syria, and those places, they're going to come and they're going to swap the things from the places from Yemen and they're going to swap from Iraq. And, all, and all these people are going to meet in Mecca and Mecca is going to become a trading city. It's going to become what? A trading city. A city where people bring things and they... Okay, I've got a question for you. In which surah is this all mentioned? The trips to Syria, to Yemen. In which surah? Adults, stop helping the kids. <laughs> Let's see. 
In which surah is this mentioned? I'm, I'm not going to ask you the surah because the surah now tells us the answer here. I want the ayah. Go ahead. What's the surah? Surah Quraysh. Li'ilafi Quraysh. Ilafihim. Rihlata shita'i wassayf. The journey in the summer and the journey in the winter, meaning the journey to Sham, the journey to Yemen, and the trade that would happen in Makkah, which became the center for trade. What's another reason that made Makkah the center for trade? Because they could have traded anywhere. Why didn't they trade in Jeddah? Why did they not trade in Taif? Why, make, why is Makkah, what else is going to bring people to Makkah apart from the fact that there's people coming from every direction with things to sell and things to buy? What's going to bring people to Makkah? Because the people are resentful and stuff that they have more trade. People want to come and want to get stuff. Yeah, that's perfect. But what, what, there's something completely different that is going to attract people to Makkah. Go on. To visit, to visit. Yeah, to visit, very good, the Kaaba. When are they going to visit the Kaaba? Because remember, they're not Muslim. We're not talking this before Islam. They're not Muslim. When are they? When did they used to visit? Come and visit the Kaaba. This is a tough question because they're not they're not Muslim, right? But when are they going to? When is everyone going to descend on Makkah? Okay, the tree definitely, but we we want a different reason. So they're going to come to visit the Kaaba. When might they come to visit the Kaaba? Morning and night. As Muslims, yes. As I totally agree with you. As Muslims, we're going to come morning and night. But I'm talking about before Islam. One time a year when everyone is going to come to Mecca. It's from the time of Ibrahim. And all the prophets did it. And you have to do it once in your life, if you can. Hajj. Hajj came before the Prophet Muhammad It wasn't done quite right. People weren't doing it the right way. But they were doing Hajj. And they used to come to Hajj. And they used to descend upon Makkah at the time of Hajj. So Makkah is really famous because it's a trading center. All the people are coming who want to buy the different things. And Makkah is famous because of the Hajj. Everyone is coming at the Hajj time. Everybody is coming at Hajj time. Okay, let's talk a little bit then about the religion of the people in Makkah. What religion generally... Now, there were different religions, there were different beliefs. But generally speaking, the people who were... First of all, before that... Who, what was the name of the tribe who was the main tribe living in Makkah? We've already answered it in this class already. Yes. Quraysh. Quraysh. And Quraysh are a sub-tribe of the Arabs. So they're an Arab tribe. which And they are from the children of which prophet? Long distance, but which prophet, if you go back, 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 all the way, which prophet do you get to? Ismail. You get to Ismail. Out of the side point, Bani Israel, which prophet did they go back to? So, Musa and Isa and 
Yaqub and Yusuf and which prophet did they go back to? Do you have an answer? Okay, go on, how are you going? You've been waiting to answer. You have to look though. Go on. Everyone goes back to Adam. Adam Adam All of you go back to Adam. Ishaq. So Ibrahim has two children, Ismail and Ishaq. Ismail becomes the father of the Arabs, and within the Arabs comes Quraysh, and Ishaq becomes the father of Bani Israel. So they're like cousins, right? All those guys are second cousins, third cousins, and tenth cousins, and whatever. Okay. Quraysh in Mecca. Typically, what religion are Quraysh? What's their religion? Now, this is before Prophet Muhammad saw them, remember? Don't give me your answer, they were all Muslims and they're, you know. What religion were they? Before the Prophet Muhammad came and told them about Islam, what religion? I'm going to ask you two questions. What religion were they and what religion should they have been? I like making it difficult. So let's start. What religion were they? In reality, what were they? What religion were they? It helps, don't, you don't have to jump up and down with your hand. I can see your hand. I'm just asking, I need to give everybody a chance, right? I can't seem to, I know you want to answer everyone, Allah bless you, but I want to, to give a chance to different people. Yes? No, actually some, although there were people like Waraka ibn Nawfal, who became Christian, it wasn't the main religion among Quraysh. And you're right, it, there were some, but it wasn't the main religion among Quraysh. Yes, no, although there were people from Jewish religion, particularly in Medina, but it, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the main religion of Quraysh, no. They, but how, what religion now? We're talking about what did they worship? They weren't Muslim. Islam. And they were, this before Islam, right? Before Islam. So they weren't Muslim, they weren't Christian, they weren't Jewish. Yes, they worship idols. They worship statues. They worship stones and trees and graves and stars and the sun and the moon. Can you imagine that? And they also worshipped Allah. So we really need to understand this. I want you guys to put your hands down, really think of this really carefully. I really want you, this is one of the most important things you have to understand. Quraysh, the people the Prophet was sent to, they were mushrikun, idol worshippers. They worshipped idols. Their idols that they worshipped, where were they, or what kind of things were they? They worshipped stones. They worshipped trees, they worshipped the, the graves, dead people, they worshipped the sun and the moon and the stars, they even worshipped the angels, and they worshipped Allah. 
hold on, how, what, how, how did they worship Allah? Ex explain to me, explain to me, how, what, what are we talking about here? Explain. They worshipped Allah and those other things. Hi, what does that make you if you worship Allah and those other things? Does it make you like a part-time Muslim, right? Like you're Muslim on a Friday. That can you be a Muslim if you worship Allah and what do you think? Put your hand up. No, we'll ask. We'll ask. Yes, Hi. They are kuffar. They are non-Muslims. How can they be non-Muslims when they worshipped Allah? Answer me this question. How could they be kuffar when they worshipped Allah? They worshipped others with him. And Allah will never accept for you to worship anything with him. Even if you worshipped Allah 364 days in a year, and you worshipped an idol for one day, you're not a Muslim. Even if you worshipped Allah for 364 days and 11 hours and 59 minutes or 23 hours and 59 minutes and just for one minute you worshipped an idol, you're not a Muslim. To be a Muslim, you, what do you have to say? La ilaha illallah. There is no God worthy of worship except Allah. There is no partner with Allah. So they did worship Allah. But they worshipped others besides Allah. Okay, did they believe that those others besides Allah were like Allah, the same as Allah? Did they like say, okay, Allah is one God, and Allah is one God, and Al-Uzza is one God, and Manat is one God, and the star is one God, and the sun is one God? Did they put them all on the same level? What do you think? Yes. No. No. They thought that Allah was the greatest. For them, all the other gods, why did they have them? What was their reason to have those all other gods? Because they believed Allah was the creator. Who created the heavens and the earth? They say who? Allah. Who sends down the rain? Allah. Who answers your dua? Allah. Okay, why are you worshipping storms? They believed it would help them to get closer to Allah. We want to get near to Allah and we believe that these stones and these trees and these people and these graves and these stars are going to bring us near to Allah. These people are getting us our du'as answered by Allah. Right? So they believed in Allah. And they believed that Allah was the greatest. But they worshipped others besides Him. So they were not Muslim. They were not Muslim because they worshipped others. They worshipped others besides Allah. Okay. What religion should they have been in? And I don't mean Muslim. Obviously Muslim. But I mean, which prophet should they have been following? Who's, which prophet was their prophet to follow? Lamaran. Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, no doubt. I'm talking about before Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because there was a gap, right? Ala fatratim min al-rusul, there was a gap. There was a gap where there was no prophet, but 
Who did they go originally back to? Yes, Martin. Adam. Not at all to Adam, but bef no, not Adam really, not specifically. Yes, Ibrahim. And that's why Allah tells them in the Quran so many times, follow the religion of Ibrahim. Follow the religion of Ibrahim. Millata Ibrahim Hanifa. And the name of the religion of Ibrahim is Hanif. The religion of worshipping just one God. That's the religion they were supposed to be following. But there was a big gap in prophets, wasn't there? There was a big gap. Rest your hands, guys, if you stay with your hands up like that the whole time, it's going to hurt your arm. I'll give you a chance, don't worry. Every time I'm giving, I'm changing. I know everyone wants to answer, but wait. Change it a little bit here, here, here. Give everybody a chance, okay? So, the religion of Ibrahim, the religion of Al-Hanifiyah. It's called Al-Hanifiyah. The religion of Ibrahim. Hanifiyah. This religion of Ibrahim, that's what they were supposed to be following. But there was a big gap. Just think, Ibrahim has two children. Ismail and Ishaq. Okay, Ishaq has Ya'qub. Ya'qub is a prophet. Who did Ismail have? No prophet. Okay, now comes after Ya'qub comes Yusuf. Who comes after in this on Ismail? No one. Okay, after Yusuf comes all of the You've got the 12 tribes, the brothers of Yusuf. Afterward, afterwards, you have, after a while, it comes and you get uh, down to eventually to Musa, you get to Yusha, you get to Dawood, you get Sulaiman. Still nobody on Ismail's side. So, then you go down even more. Eventually, you get to Yahya and you get to Isa, and still nobody on Ismail's side. So Bani Israel have got all of these tens and tens of prophets which are coming and on the side of Ismail, nobody. Nobody. So they had a break where they didn't have, they had a break which we call Fetwa Minar Rusul, a time where there wasn't any prophet for them. They just had, they just had what they remembered from Ibrahim and from Ismail. And then finally, after Nabiullah Isa came to Bani Israel and some time went by, and Allah raised him up and some time went by, Allah sent from the children of Ismail, and all the way after all that time, Allah sent the Prophet Muhammad So if they were worshipping idols, they were worshipping idols. Where did that come from? If they were, they were supposed to be, I'll tell you the story of what happened. Uh, I'll tell you the story of what happened because they were worshipping Allah. They had the Kaaba. I mean, how can you have the Kaaba outside your doorstep and not worship Allah, right? They have the Kaaba outside the doorstep. The Kaaba is right, they open the door, there's the Kaaba right there. They're right living all around the Kaaba. And they had the Prophet Ibrahim. And they had uh, Ismail. 
they had Ismail. So what went wrong? What went wrong happened with a person whose name was Amr ibn Nuhay. And Amr ibn Nuhay, what he did was he went on a trip to Sham, to Syria. And when he went on his trip to Sham, he saw the people there worshipping idols. What did he do? Did he say, Astaghfirullah, A'udhu Billah? What did he do? What do you think he did? He, that's a beautiful answer. Wallah, I'm loving these answers today, mashallah. He, there was no Islam for him, so he copied them. And he brought one of their idols home to Makkah, and he put it down, and he said, this is your God. And the people from him, they started to follow, and they started to worship those idols and they took idols from all different places. They took idols from Yemen. They took idols from Sham. They took idols from the east and the west. And they put them all in Mecca. And it said that when the Prophet ﷺ was in Mecca before Islam, there were 360 idols that were worshipped in the Kaaba. And they used to worship Allah as well on top of that. Okay. So we understood a little bit about their religion. Bear in mind that exactly as you said when you said, I think, uh, Christian and someone said Jewish. So there were Christians and Jews in the area. They weren't really in Makkah so much, but they were in, the, in, in Medina. There were Jews in uh, Yemen. There were Christians. And there were people who converted to Christianity, like, for example, Waraka ibn Nawfil. And those were some of the best people. Because they were closer. Remember, there was a big gap. There was no prophet. So some of them converted when they saw Nabiullah Isa. They saw Isa. And they heard of the message of Isa. So some people accepted the message of Isa. Even though it wasn't really for them. It wasn't really their message. Because it was for the, the children of Ishaq, right? It wasn't really their message. But they, some of them still, they became Christian. Like the cousin of Khadija Waraka. No. Okay, I'm gonna. I know your answer's been amazing, but you have to put your hand down now. So just give it a rest. Just slowly, slowly. Okay, beautiful. So, we learned a little bit about their religion. What do you think life is like when you don't have guidance from Allah? Generally, like what do you think that their life was like? You think without Islam they have a good life, there's nothing haram, do what you want, drink what you want, eat what you want. What do you think their life was like? Did you have an answer? No. You think their life was not good? No. Yeah, their life was miserable. What do you think about Eleanor? It was horrible. What do you think? Super bad. Really bad, huh? It was awful. Awful, okay. So everybody thinks that Life without, and I really love the choice of your words you use, it's very nice, you said disgraceful, I like that word. Because if you don't have Islam, you don't have any honor. Like Umar said, Umar ibn Khattab, he said, We are people, we didn't have any respect until Islam came. We didn't have any respect until Islam came. So, to, for example, 
Do you think they used to eat and drink good food, nice things? They used to drink so much alcohol. They used to drink so much alcohol. They used to get drunk. They used to fight each other. They used to kill each other. They were always at war, always at war with each other. And they would go to war over small things. They would go to war over a camel. That's a little bit of exaggeration because to be honest, there's a story behind the camel. But they actually went to war over a camel. Few hundred years, they were fighting each other over a camel. Can you imagine the kind of wars and fighting because they've got no one to tell them what's right and wrong. Like you said, when you don't have Islam, when you don't have Islam, you don't have any guidance at all. That's why one of them, there was a famous story that happened with uh, Imru Qais, right? The famous poet. That they, uh, the famous poet, and uh, from among the family, the kings in Yemen, and they killed his father. And he was just known for being drunk all the time. You know, it's like it's been people you find him like lying out on the street, just he doesn't know what he's doing. So they came to him and they said to him that, you know, they've killed your father. And he said this famous statement: "Al yom khamar wa ghadan amar." He said, today I'm going to get drunk and tomorrow I'll sort it out. Look at how the people were completely lost. They had no clue. Do you think that they had a nice family life with a nice mom and dad and, you know, children like that? They didn't have a nice family life like that. Many of the children, they didn't know their moms and their dads properly and the families all broken up and it was all horrible, not proper marriage. Nothing was nice like it is in Islam. They had a horrible time. And there were so much people, so many people being killed. People were being killed all the time. Because there was no proper laws about what's right and what's wrong. So you imagine what would happen one day if there was no law. No one to stop, no police, no nothing. <laughs> it's just chaos, right? Anyone just goes and kills somebody and the other person kills and then they person and then they fight and then there's a war and then a lot of things were going on like that. So it was a very horrible situation, yes. That means they don't have any anyone to tell them about who's who's right and who's wrong. They didn't have anyone to tell them who was right and who was wrong. But just put your hands down for a second. Now I'm going to tell you some of the good things that were there. Because not everything was bad. Not everything was bad. They had some good things that they had remembered from the time of Ibrahim and it became like their culture. So some of the good things they had is that they were, for example, they were people who always told the truth. Generally speaking, there were people who told the truth. They didn't used to lie. Generally speaking, there were people who told the truth. There were people who had good manners with their guests and with the people who would come. They would treat them, they would try to treat them very kindly. They were people who were brave. They were quite brave. They had good things. It wasn't that they were, it wasn't that everything was bad. 
But the good things, of course, it doesn't compare. When you don't have Islam, you can't compare those things. But what Islam did is Islam kept the good things and got rid of what? The bad, right? Get rid of the bad and keep the good because they were good things. They did have some good things in their culture. They used to keep ties with their family. They used to keep family ties. They used to be truthful. They used to look after their guests. They used to be, you know, they used to take care of some of the poor people. Some of them were generous with giving charity. But is any of that accepted if you're not a Muslim? What do you think? No. That's it. If you're not a Muslim, none of that is accepted. And that's why Aisha asked the Prophet about a man who was known to be very generous in Jahiliya, like before Islam. He was really generous. He used to put out huge amounts of food for the poor people. She said, Oh Messenger of Allah, did it benefit him anything? Did he get anything from Allah? The Prophet said to her, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that he got nothing from Allah. He never said one day, one day, he never said, Allah, forgive me for the mistakes that I did. He never one day said for Allah to forgive him. Not even one day did he pray to Allah. He was very kind to the poor people, but it didn't help him anything because he wasn't a Muslim. So the Prophet ﷺ was born into that society. And in that society of Quraysh, there was a family. And that family, that family was the best family in Quraysh. They had the biggest position. They were the leaders. And they were called Bani Hashim. They were called Bani Hashim. So they're not separate from Quraysh, they're inside of Quraysh, but they're like a special group inside of Quraysh. We'll go back to a person called Hashim, and the one who was in charge of them at that time was a man called Abdul Muttalib. Abdul Muttalib was in charge of them at that time. And they saw him to be a big leader and in charge. And they looked up to him and his family were the best family of Quraysh. Everybody knew. There were some big families. Yeah, because it's a tribe, right? There's big families. And they were the family who was considered the best family. These are the best family. The family of Hashim. And their leader at that time was Abdul Muttalib. One of the things that made Abdul Muttalib really, really famous. Does anyone know a couple of things that made Abdul Muttalib even more famous, apart from the fact that he came from the best family? I'm not saying about the Prophet Muhammad, so I'm talking about before. So about his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib. He was not a Muslim. He used to worship idols. He was not a Muslim. Abdul Muttalib what made him, a couple of things made him famous. 
What? No, 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 not really. He was, he used to worship them, but, but, yeah. So, he, he liked everyone? No, what made him famous, a couple of things. If you know the answer, you know, if you don't know, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, there was. They used to make it at home instead. They didn't go to Tesco and buy it, but they used to they used to make it from dates and they used to make it from grapes and they used to forget what they did because you know when people drink that haram thing, they, they forget what they're doing and they become crazy, right? And they do horrible things. Yeah, they, like that, like, exactly like that. So let's get on with it. Let's continue on with the story. So uh, one of the things that made Abdul Muttalib really, really famous was to do with Zamzam. Was to do with with Zamzam. Where does the story of Zamzam start? Ismail, go and tell me the story. Then give me a, a summary of the story. Hajar needed water for for Ismail and she ran between the two mountains Safa and Marwa and she ran between the two mountains looking for water and she Ismail kicked the ground and she found the water of uh, she found the water of Zamzam she found the water of Zamzam and the Prophet said may Allah have mercy on Hajar if she hadn't stopped Zamzam, if she hadn't plugged the hole of Zamzam, Zamzam would have become a lake. Makkah would have become a lake. Because of how much? Because of how much water there was. At the time of Abdul Muttalib, What had happened to the well of Zamzam? Does anyone remember? Or what happened with Quraysh? What had happened? It disappeared, huh? And then, and it was so they were not getting the water anymore. So then, what happened? They challenged Abdul Muttalib, and Abdul Muttalib was able to. To find it, to bring it back again. And they used to give the water to the people who came at the Hajj. So Abdul Muttalib became famous because of Zamzam. And he became famous for one more thing, and this is where we need to understand, and that is the story of, of a certain animal. Which animal is it? Which animal? Which animal? There's a story of an animal. A horse. Not a horse. Yes, Rabia. Camel. Not a camel. An elephant. In fact, an army of elephants. Because there was a man called Abraha. And Abraha, he wanted to destroy the cow. And he sent an army of elephants to destroy the Kaaba. And elephants are very powerful animals, right? 
They are very, very powerful animals. And so they sent an army of elephants to smash the Kaaba. Guys, you have to listen look. Sent an army of elephants to smash up the, the Kaaba. And in which surah are we told about the army of elephants? <laughs> surah 15. Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashabi. So when these elephants came, who went out to challenge Abraham? Abdul Muttalib. Why did he go out? It's a very funny story about why he went out. And it wasn't for the Kaaba. He didn't go out for the Kaaba. No, no, he didn't want anything to do with people being killed. Yes. What was that? Yeah, he, no, no, he didn't go out to sit for, because of the elephants. He went out because of another animal. Yes. Yes, Akash. He went because he, they took his camels. And so imagine the leader of Quraysh goes out and Abraha thinks he's come to beg him. He thinks he's come to beg. Please don't hurt the Kaaba. Please don't hurt the Kaaba. So Abdul Muttalib comes and says, I haven't come for the Kaaba. The Kaaba has a Lord who is going to take care of it. Who is the Lord of the Kaaba? Allah. He said, I'm not worried about the Kaaba. Allah will take care of the Kaaba. I came for my camels. He said, I didn't come for the Kaaba. I came to ask you to give me back my camels. And Allah destroyed all of that army of elephants. How? I want the ayah. I don't want, I want it Arabic. I want the ayah. Give me the whole ayah. Allah sent birds and they tarmihim. They threw little stones of baked clay and the birds destroyed the elephants. And Allah destroyed the army of Abraha and the Kaaba was saved. What do you think happened to Quraysh when the Kaaba was saved? How do you think they felt? When they touched the rock, rock the, the elephants? No. Now what happened with Quraysh is Quraysh got, wow, look at this, Allah saved the, the Kaaba and their status went very high and Abdul Muttalib people said that he is the you know he was the best one out of us he went there they it, it made them feel like it was a big thing for them like a celebration for them because they thought they were going to be destroyed by this huge army of elephants Quraysh what did they have some horses some camels they didn't have any elephants can you imagine chasing an elephant, a big elephant chasing you down and the only thing you have is a camel? You're not going to last very long. But Allah saved them. In that same year, the year that the elephants tried to destroy the Kaaba, the elephants of Abraham, the Prophet Muhammad was born. He was born in Rabi'ah. Al-Awwal. Who knows the Islamic months? 
Rabi'ah, you know this last ones? What's the first one? Muharram. Safar. Rabi'ah. Okay, the first three, that's what I want. So Muharram comes first, then Safar, then Rabi'ah Awal. Rabi'ah Awal in that month, in the year of the elephant, meaning the year the elephants came to attack the Kaaba, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was born. So Abdul Muttalib had sons. Abdul Muttalib had sons. Actually, the Prophet Sallallahu from his father's on his father's side, and he had there was there was eleven uncles, or ten uncles plus his father. So he had a big, it was a big family. But let's just try and understand. Abdul Muttalib. Does anyone know some of the names of his children? Obviously, the most famous is the father of the Prophet Muhammad, who is Abdullah. That's we know that. Along with Abdullah, there were some very famous children of Abdul Muttalib. Who two of them became Muslim. Who are the two who became Muslim? Two other two children, only two of Abdul Muttalib. Hamza and Al-Abbas. Radiyallahu anhumah. Hamza and Al-Abbas. They would later become Muslim. Who is really another really famous child of Abdul Muttalib? He was one of the worst people. And we recite a surah about how bad he is. Tabbat yada abi lahabin wa Abu Lahab. So there were many others. Actually, there was 11 in total. But we just want to cover. We just want to cover. How many? We just want to cover four for now. So there was Abdullah. Abdullah is the father of whom? Father of the Prophet Was Abdullah Muslim? No. He was not a Muslim. That's why when a man came to the Prophet he said, where is my father? The Prophet said, your father is in hell. Is in enough. Then he called him back. And he said to him, my father and your father are in the night. Abdullah was not a Muslim. Okay, Abdullah. And there was the really bad one who was Abu Lahab. And there were two really good ones who became Muslim who were Hamza and Al-Abbas. And there were many others as well, but we don't, like, we, we're not going to focus too much. We're not going to get, get confused, okay? So you know now, Abdullah is famous for something. Abdullah, the father of the Prophet Muhammad is famous for something. He didn't become a Muslim. He's famous for something that happened to him. Do you know what happened to him? I have to ask you a question before that. What what's a famous story that happened to Ismail? He almost died. How did he almost die? The Prophet Ibrahim had a dream. Ya Buniya inni ara fil manami anni adbahuka fanzu. Mada tara. Kala ya abatif alma tu'ma. Satajiduni insha'Allah min sali. Ibrahim had a dream, and in this dream he saw that he was slaughtering Ismail, he was cutting his neck with a knife, and he was killing him. 
like a sheep. He saw that he took Ismail and he lied him down, laid him down on the ground and he took a knife and he cut his neck. Now what about the dreams of the prophets? What's the thing about the dreams of the prophets? What is the big thing about prophets' dreams? They always are true. So Ibrahim was very shocked and he said to his son, oh my son, I've seen in a dream that I'm going to take a knife and I'm going to cut you, I'm going to kill you. So what, what do you think? He said, Dad, if that's what Allah said, Ya Abati, if this is what Allah told you, do what Allah told you. I'll be patient. Don't worry, I won't fight. If that's what Allah told you, I will do it. So Ibrahim took out his son. Can you imagine? He waited so long for a son, he couldn't have any children. And he lied him down on the ground. And he took his knife. And he put his knife on his neck. And what happened? Did he cut his neck? Allah said, Allah said, the dream has come true, stop. So he put the knife, he said, stop, stop. The dream has come true. And instead of Ismail, who was, who got cut instead? The ram, and the, 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 the sheep that came down from, that Allah sent down. We exchanged him for that sheep. Where do we remember this? Every Eid al-Adha, when we slaughter our sheep, we remember that story of Ibrahim with Ismail, that he was going to kill him, and then the dream came true and he didn't kill him. Because in the dream, he didn't see him cutting. He saw him putting the knife and the dream, the dream ended. Yeah? And then Allah changed Ismail. Allah changed Ismail. And instead of Ismail, the sheep was killed instead. Beautiful. Something happened with Abdullah, which was a little bit similar. Go on. It was with the camels and the arrows. So Abdul Muttalib, this goes back to what? To the Zamzam story, right? Is that Abdul Muttalib had, remember, they don't have any guidance, right? They don't know what's right and wrong. So what did they do? He said, as a gratitude to Allah, what was he going to do? He said, I'm going to sacrifice one of my children. I'm going to kill one of my children. So he had to choose which child he was going to kill. So he drew lots. Do you know what it means to draw lots? Like you have like arrows, right? And you pick which one has got the marker on or the feather on or which one's the short one or something like that. So he picked and who came out? Abdullah. So he put it back in. And then he picked, and who came out? Abdullah. Abdullah. So he put it back in. And he picked again, and who came out? Abdullah. And what he did in the end, instead of killing Abdullah, he killed a hundred 
camels. He killed a hundred camels. And that was the story of Abdullah. And Abdullah married a lady called Amina. And they had a child called Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he was born Am Alfil in the year of the Alfil. Is it actually time for the Adhan? If it is, you give the Adhan, we'll continue for five minutes. Okay, we'll wrap up inshallah very quickly because we nearly got to the point of the, of the story. We've got a little bit left to go. When the Prophet was born, when the Prophet was born, some things happened that were very strange. Does anyone remember some of the things that happened when the Prophet was born? Okay. Okay, you're you're not you're not far. So generally, what they used to do with their small children is. They used to send their small children into the desert with the Bedouin people. The Bedouin people are the people who didn't live in the city, but they used to, uh, you know, travel in the desert. They didn't have a house, like a fixed house. They used to travel in the desert. Why do you think they used to send their children into the desert? Like little babies. They would give the little baby and say, go take him, bring him back later. Why do you think they used to do that? Uh, but I have to answer the question though. Oh, because um, they were trying to make them brave. Yeah, I like that. They were trying to make them brave. They were trying to make them strong. So they would send them into the desert to make them strong. Because if they lived in the city and they get sick like that and then they become weak and they will not be able to fight, they will not be able to be strong for their family and their tribe. So instead they, you know, they, they, they used to send them out with the Bedouins. And there was a lady who was given the Prophet Muhammad to look after. Her name was Halima. Sa'adiyya radiallahu anha. Halima. Halima radiallahu anha. She became a Muslim. She was the one who had to look after the Prophet Muhammad when he was a baby. She had to look after him. And she was going to take him into the desert. And she saw that the Prophet Muhammad had so much blessing. She didn't know he was a prophet because he didn't know he was a prophet. Yeah? His mother had seen a dream that coming out from her was a light that lit up all of the land until Syria. The whole earth lit up from a light that was coming out from her. She saw a dream. But nobody knew what it meant. And then the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu when Halima took him, عنها, she didn't have very much milk to give to the children. They were very poor and there was a lot of drought and famine and hunger. She didn't have much milk to give to him. When she took him, she suddenly had plenty of milk. 
and they didn't have much. Their animals, you know, didn't have a lot of milk, and their animals were also very, you know, like there wasn't much food and things, and everything just became more. And she felt so blessed. She felt so blessed by what happened. What did she do? If you were enjoying it so much, what would you do? When you're enjoying something so much, you would ask if you can keep it. So that's what she did. She went back to the mother of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and she said, can I keep him for longer? And she kept him. She kept him for longer. But something happened that made her change her mind and want to quickly bring him back to his mom. And what was that? His chest was cut open. What happened? Was it an accident? What happened? Who cut open his chest? How could his chest get cut open? Who cut open his chest? The angel, Jibreel, came down and took the Prophet Muhammad and cut open his chest and took out his heart. And he took it in a bowl of Zamzam and he cleaned it and he took out something. And he said, this was the part of the shaitan. So you're going to be pure now, only good. And they got so scared for him when they saw what happened to him. Because they didn't know it was the angel Jibreel, they didn't know what happened. They got so scared for what happened to him, they took him back to his mom. And his mom, Amina, she took him to visit some of their relatives in which city? In Medina. And on the way back, something happened. He was okay after Jibreel looked, I mean, Jibreel didn't hurt him. Jibreel cleaned him. What happened? His mom died. His mom died. Who looked after him after his mom died? Because remember, his dad already died. We didn't mention that? We should have mentioned that. Abdullah, when we're talking about Abdullah, that his dad died before he was born. So he was raised with just his mom. Then his mom died. Who looked after him? His grandfather, Abdul Muttalib, looked after him. And then Abdul Muttalib died. And Abdul Muttalib didn't die as a Muslim, and his mom didn't die as a Muslim. His mom wasn't a Muslim, his dad wasn't a Muslim, and Abdul Muttalib wasn't a Muslim. Who looked after him? His grandfather died, good. Abu Talib. Abu Talib is another son of Abdul Muttalib. So it's the Prophet's uncle. Abu Talib. So we have mentioned how many of those brothers? Abdullah, that was the father of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Who else? The two that became Muslim that were Hamza and Al-Abbas radiallahu anhumah. And then we said the bad one was Abu Lahab. Abu Lahab. Uh-huh. And then we said Abu Talib, who was his uncle, who looked after him when he was little. All these little special things kept on happening. I'm just going to take one moment. These some special things kept on happening. Guys, listen up for the last part of this story because we have to move to the next part next time. Some very special things started happening. 
from the really special things that start happening is his uncle took him to Syria on a, tr on a trip to, for trade, for learning business, because his uncle used to do business, buying and selling. And when he took him there, he met a monk. And that monk, that monk told his uncle to take him back. He said, this nephew of yours is going to become someone great. He knew it. He saw from him that this nephew is going to become a prophet. He saw it from him. He knew because that monk was what? A Christian. He knew about the coming of the Prophet Muhammad. He had knowledge. He knew. So he was scared about what might happen to the Prophet and that someone might hurt him when he was small. So he, so he sent him back to Mecca. He sent him back to Mecca. Last question. Did the Prophet worship idols like his grandfather and those uncles? No. Never, ever, ever. Did he drink alcohol like his people used to do? The people in Mecca were all drinking alcohol. Did he drink alcohol? No. No. But he wasn't a prophet, so how did he know to do that? He wasn't a prophet. Allah inspired him. Allah made him not like it. He only worshipped Allah. But he didn't know about Allah. He didn't know why. He didn't understand all about Islam. But he only worshipped Allah. And what was he known for? He was known for being trustworthy. And he was known for being truthful. He was known for being trustworthy. He was known for being truthful. And he was known for being the best. He was known for being the best out of all of his people. And he was known for being the leader and the one who sorted out people's problems. One day, famous story happened, they were fighting over the Kaaba because they were trying to build, rebuild the part of the Kaaba that was damaged and they were, the tribes were fighting over it. And the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, came and he made each person take, each tribe, take a corner of a piece of cloth and then he took the stone and he put the stone into the Kaaba. He used to sort out the problems, he used to look after people, he used to keep ties with his relatives, he used to be good to people, he used to help the poor people, he used to help the needy people. He used to worship Allah, but he didn't know how to worship Allah. But he used to worship Allah the way that Allah inspired him and made him love it. And he was very sad about what happened to his people, and he used to spend a lot of time alone. Just thinking about things, worshipping Allah, and just thinking about how had his people started to worship idols. And we're going to stop right there. And inshallah ta'ala, next week, what we're going to do, we're going to resume the story with the cave of Hira and the coming of the angel Jibreel and how the Prophet Muhammad became a prophet. Obviously, we did it very summarized, very squeezed, because we don't have much time. But inshallah, it's a start, and you can learn much, much more in the books of Sirah and the Sirah lessons, inshallah. That's what Allah made easy for me to mention. Allah knows best. Jazakumullah khairan for watching. Please subscribe, share,